seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 9-6 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of things that affect our gaming at and away from our tables and computers. I am your host to take you on this journey, Daquan Watson, and as always, for 96 episodes, still here putting up with me, Brian Allen. How's it going, dude? Hey, you're still putting up with me. I haven't heard too many people say that putting up with Daquan is a chore, but... In my case, there's probably a, quite a few people who are like, oh, God, 90 episodes with that guy. Dude, they, they ain't seen me day to day. I talk so damn much. Like, I I am still. I mean, can't confirm, but that's true of me also. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm still surprised. And I and I tell my viewers this and, and my people in my Discord regularly that, like, the fact that I have the podcast every week, I'm streaming multiple times throughout the week. I have a YouTube video up every day. You know, it's like at some point I'm just like, how are y'all not tired of hearing my voice? I have to hear my voice when I edit all this crap. And at some point I'm like, damn, I talk a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, crazy stuff, though. I do have a good one for today's number since we're getting close to 100 running out. 96 is probably largely considered one of the best defensive tackles ever in the history of the NFL who played on some of the worst teams, unfortunately for him. But Cortez Kennedy. Yeah, that is played, a good one. He played on some like 2-14 and 14 Seahawk teams. Like he played on some bad teams. There's a call. That's what they were, the Seagulls. Yeah, but the dude was, dude was good. I mean, I think he yeah. had something like eight or nine Pro Bowls, like three or four All Pros. Like he was rated, I think, like player of the year in his like second year or something. Like, dude, dude was, dude was a beast. Yeah, it a wasn't beast. his fault. Yeah, I mean, that is, that's where I tell people, like, sometimes, though winning does matter. Like, at the end of the day, like, sometimes people are just good and things just don't go their way. But it's definitely not his fault. Like, he, he racked up credentials. And at some point, you look around and go, like, well, he can't do it by himself. <laughs> like, as much as we like, you know the Emmett Smiths and the the Michael Jordans or whatever of the world, like they, they didn't win them championships by themselves. I mean, it, it took good coaching, good players around them, you know, a little bit of everything. But before we get into the rest of the show, I want to let everybody know, if you would like to support the show, please check out patreon.com slash color of magic. For just a little bit, a couple bucks a month, you can really help us out, show some support and love, and we really appreciate it. And... We have a show sponsor we like to show love to, Cardsphere.com. Great place if you want to buy, sell cards at the price you want and buy them at the price you want. Like I said, small bit of a learning curve, but after you figure out how to use the site, it's actually pretty useful. You should go buy and pay them a visit over at Cardsphere.com. And then finally, if you want to get some stuff for yourself, playmats, tokens, stuff like that, go over there and check out colorofmtg.com slash shop. Doesn't matter where you are in the world, we can mail stuff to you. And we even have some shipping discounts and whatnot. So we make it easy if you want to support us and still get something to show for it. Now, let's get into some stuff. We have we have some pretty interesting things, I think, in both 
the soapbox and the what did we learn today. So I think this is going to be a fun show. And this one, this one, I didn't know how to feel about this one. <laughs> but I'm scrolling through Twitter the other day. And, you know, normally shows me nerd ads or something related to something I watched recently or what, you know, like, like internet ads do. And on this day, I saw a thing that said Black Wink. Okay. With I'm some already a little nervous. Yeah, with some very attractive black woman on it. So I'm like, okay. I'm curious. I don't know what the hell this is. So I click on it. Apparently, it's supposed to be a black dating app thing. I don't know if it's an app or a site or whatever, but a a, a technological thing to help you find other black people to date i guess <laughs> most long grown up description of a dating site ever yeah I don't, I don't know like it's i couldn't tell but the thing that blew me away is that was their description that is placed squarely over a picture of a white woman at like an executive desk and i'm like i i don't i was i was torn it's a trap well yeah because i'm like okay is this Actually, what you say it is, did you just use a stock photo? Are you trying to send some little message as a black dude trying to go after some white women? Like, what's going on here? Like, it's such a weird thing. Like, I was just like, I don't I don't know. And honestly, I almost signed up for research purposes, but I had too much going on this week. So I was like, yeah, oh, well, I probably won't ever know. But just thought it was really interesting to bring up because I'm like, it's just weird, too, because you use, like, one thing to even show the ad, and then you, you click on the thing, and it goes to a site, and you're like, but is this even the same thing? I'm but curious now, though. I mean, is it full of, like, uh, people that blackfish, you know, or white women that talk with black accents? I don't know. I see. I that's so what I was curious about. Now. Exactly. That's what I'm like. I kind of want to know, but I was having to do extra videos and footage because we have an event yeah. this weekend. So I'm just like, I can't, I can't, I want to, but I can't waste time this week. But I really, right. I really almost want to do the research, but Madden is dropping in a few hours. <laughs> so no, I won't be doing the research. Either. I was just like, oh my God, like what's going on with this site? I was so confused. And I guess they're like, hey, you're a black guy. Why don't you click on this thing? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess that was the connection to feed me the app. I have no idea. But yeah, anyway. Nothing major there. I just thought it was a really random ass thing that had very inconsistent marketing between the first thing you showed me and the first click I made. You didn't even get me past or, the intro screen. Or maybe that's exactly who they're marketing to. You just, you <laughs> don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I, I'm just going to let that go. I'm going to get out of your way because I think yours is definitely more of a serious issue than mine. Just uh, a, what a week we have seen here. And it's, it's only Wednesday in terms of powerful men kind of getting their comeuppance for doing stuff that they knew they shouldn't be doing with uh, Governor Cuomo's resignation. And first of all, how long does it take to say I quit? Let's see, that took me all of two seconds. My dude, I, I think before I think I drifted off, he was already about 15, 20 minutes of just, hey, I'm out of here. I'm not the governor anymore. And it's all my fault. I'm not the governor anymore. But not only that, he's he's like his resignation is taken over in 14 days. He for real put the two weeks notice in. Yeah, I don't know if you need two weeks notice when you're the governor and literally everyone. Well, say everybody, but all the people that count, all the people that get to vote on whether you should go once you're gone. 
yeah it was that whole thing was trippy man i don't because I literally you could even said look i don't agree with the results of the investigation we're gonna follow up and fight it but for the betterment of the city and the state and the things that are going on right now i'm gonna step down that's it that that could have been it, it but he gave this the smart thing of course that's part of why he's resigning is he just is somebody that does not know when to quit fair it's Fair. been obvious for, you know, weeks now that they had him, which it's awesome that New York will have its first female governor now. It's obviously not the way we would want to go about it, but still it's going to be a huge opportunity for her. So, you know, the world is going to be watching and there's no bigger platform. Yeah, that's totally true. Then, of course, uh, more stuff going on with Activision Blizzard, where apparently, and I just found this out recently, but the character in uh, Overwatch, Jesse McCree, was named after an actual uh, actual person at Blizzard named Jesse McCree. And, well, he's <laughs> been fired as part of the mass house cleaning going on at Blizzard. So it's just been where even the character who has been, you know, one of the most popular characters in Overwatch for going out six years at this point, it sounds like they may change the character's name for obvious reasons. Yeah, I would. I mean, because it was even during Overwatch League tournament this weekend, they were taking great pains not to say McCree. They would say, you know, the cowboy, or they would name whoever the player was that was using McCree. So, yeah, I mean, because here's the thing: if it's a tribute to somebody who worked there, and you realize that person has a extremely tarnished reputation, it would not make sense to keep pushing that tribute. No. You know, so you might as well change the name and, and go a different direction. Yeah, but I'm with you, dude. It, it was a wild week. I mean, and and rightfully so. I mean, it's Wednesday. So are we, yeah. we're, it's Wednesday. We're taping this. will be later than by the time you heard the week. will be almost over by the time you hear this. But people that got it had it coming. Yeah. There, you know, there's nobody this week that's lost their job. Vaz where we say, oh, yeah, they got a raw deal. Like, no, everybody that we've seen fall so far, they pretty much had it coming. Yep. Except, it for, except for one Jeopardy host. Oh, yeah. He's. Uh... <laughs> I'm still but at least they're gonna be that. They're going to be two hosts, so that's cool. You know? Yeah, that's a little weird. It is, like, but. That's like, like, you know, you shouldn't be there, but like, cause he, he's was one of the producers. Like he gets to make, he, he probably is the one who made the final call. So like, you could just not be there, dude. But I guess that's his way of saying, well, I can make myself relevant again. You know, I give, wonder now, do they get paid the same or how does that work? They split the, the money and so many questions. I mean, they probably each get just a normal separate paycheck and he just gets to double dip as a producer and host. Oh, yeah, he would get same same way that people do on movie sets. Right. Yeah. When they're the producer, the lead actor, they're one of the directors like you, you just get to keep a bigger portion of the pie. He's double dipping. He's put, it's like putting your whole mouth in the cup. Yeah, I mean, is what it is. Kind of sucks, but but I mean, I am glad that they're going to use my Bialik at least. So that's you know, she was Honestly, definitely one of my favorites. I hope the fandom comes through and the viewers and just say like, "Hey, why don't we just make her the lone host?" Because honestly, from everything I've seen, 
when people even talked openly and like rated them, because I even asked people, because I didn't see all like the full week of every person who who hosted. I saw like clips and stuff of different people. But really, Bialik was actually the one that lots of people said they really liked because what kept coming back is people said she made it feel very like comforting and personal, you know, that a lot of the other hosts didn't weren't able to achieve. So I'm like, if that's good enough for people, then like, yeah, let's do it. It'd be better than just somebody that nobody knows or cares about at this point. And I could see that because, you know, she comes to it being an actress, whereas half of those people were reporters where you're all it's drilled into you is to stay distant yeah. and to not get involved in the story. You know, what's your Chris Cuomo? <laughs> <I'll stop Yeah. laughs> I mean, they they did have an Aaron Rodgers on there. <laughs> well, yeah, Rodgers was, was from what I saw really good. And there was one of the questions the answer was the Green Bay Packers. And, and the, nobody got it. <laughs> Then there was some other like ridiculously random question. He goes, "Oh, that one, you know." <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Though stuff like that, I think, is just more appealing to the viewer. But is what it is. But you know, I, I this is kind of just things catch up with people. You know, is what kind of what we're learning this week. But yeah, anyway, we have other fun stuff going on because even with all that happening, we're still trying to learn more things. And as always. We did learn something this week. So what did you learn, Brian? All right. For the first time in basically almost two years, we're going to have the Big Tex Choice Awards at the Texas State Fair, which is stuff you probably should only eat the one time. But, you know, hey, eating it one time is cool. There's always just crazy things fried in bacon and dipped in Dr. Pepper. And just, well, here's some of the finals, for example. Uh, under the savory category, I believe I mentioned this one a few podcasts ago, the deep fried I-35, which is made of fried kolache dough. If you've never had a kolache, go, go to the nearest place that sells those and, and get that done. But it's fried kolache dough topped with smoked brisket, drizzled with peach juice combined with a Dr. Pepper glaze. That sounds like just heaven. In my I'm mind. in. <laughs> like, right? I might go try to make that. Like, that's-, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Uh, they okay. also have crispy, crazy corn, which is fried corn kernels topped with pork and pineapple slaw. See, now, before you go any further, I just want to say for all y'all that have kids that they don't eat vegetables and they won't do it, that's because one, y'all, y'all don't season your food. <laughs> I'm being real. Like, I know people, I literally, ha- I can't count the number of adults that are like, yeah, I don't eat I, carrots, cabbage, whatever, right? A bunch of stuff. But then they're like, oh, I never had it like this. I'm like, I just put butter and salt. Like, what? What? <laughs> like, but people are just taking vegetables, sticking them in water, boiling them, and serving their kids, and their kids don't eat it. But like, if you make stuff like this, you're going to fry up some corn and you put some meat over the top and some slaw. I bet your kids will eat that. Yeah, I would think so. Shoot, I remember the first time I saw deep fried broccoli. I was like, where was this my whole life? course i don't even want to know how much of the health value that probably takes away when you deep fry it hey just saying you want your kids to eat over oh, stir fry actually works too you know yeah, a lot I of cultures have that that we don't even have that here in the states in a lot of places because you, you can make almost anything edible provided you deep fry it that's kind of the theme of yeah. the texas state fair we also have deep fried seafood gumbo balls which is fried bites of shrimp crab and sausage 
rolled in saltine cracker and breadcrumb batter and topped with a uh, chicken fried okra. I, we, we probably have to explain what okra is. I think that's like one of those. <laughs> South, out of like, if you want to get okra in Seattle, Dakota, would there be any place you can get okra? I believe it or not, I can. There's not okay, not not necessarily in Seattle, but if you go to like Tacoma, okay. there's a couple of southern restaurants that are actually pretty. Matter of fact, one of them so country and so southern that the guy who owns it is actually a preacher. All right then, <laughs> he goes nowhere to find okra always. True story. Not even making that up. But yeah, that's a, I feel like that one sort of exists already somewhere. I feel like I've had something does. similar to that. Like, you also have the, the Lucky Duck Dumpling, which is a pastry filled with cream cheese, duck bacon. I was today years old and I learned that duck bacon was a thing. And roasted corn. Okay. I could get behind that. Yeah. Pork shots are Texas smoked sausage wrapped in bacon and filled with mac and cheese. You're going to find pork to be one of the themes. <laughs> yeah, that's a recurring theme. Uh, I would For eat the all this. category, we have uh, the deep fried Halloween, which, yeah, it's the craziest sound. It's a large pretzel covered in candy corn syrup topped with sprinkled marshmallow icing, candy corn, and chocolate. Ooh, that's the first one. And dude, and I I will eat pastries and dessert all day. But that's the first one where you've said, and I'm kind of like, ooh, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I can almost feel my arteries just, just saying. Yeah, that one that one slows that. me down a, a little bit. I, I would still try it, but I'm not as yeah. enthusiastic as I am about the other ones. The armadillo, because you got to have something called an armadillo for the Texas State Fair, is a cookie butter ice cream sandwich which is shaped like an armadillo. It doesn't sound nearly as decadent, but it probably tastes really good. Oh, shit. It doesn't take as long to describe, but it probably is one of the best tasting ones. Okay. Here's another one I'm not sure about. Brisket brittle. It's what it sounds like. Instead of peanuts, they put brisket in your brittle. That is the most Texas country ass thing. <laughs> right? Like, because brittle obviously is like practically a Southern staple. But the fact that somebody was like, you know, what if we just put a whole ass brisket in here? Like, I don't, <laughs> yeah, just... like, like, I don't even know why. Like, that's, that's most of the others I get. And big like, Texas, big Tex say, yep, yep, that's a plan right there. Yeah, that's that's a wild one. Okay. We have a fried toffee coffee crunch cake, which is a cake donut dipped in panko and vanilla cookie crumbs. And of course, you got to fry it because Texas. Sure. Pretty much almost all of these are fried in some form. The last one is the Texas pumpkin poke cake, which is a Texas shaped pumpkin cake with vanilla glaze and caramel. So, yeah. Yeah. Most of those all sound pretty good. I, I think that would be a fun thing to be a judge for, honestly. Oh, absolutely. I would, man, if anybody from the Texas State Fair is listening, I would happily come judge these. For real. Now, now let me tell you this. For people that haven't traveled, if you haven't done state fairs, we'll call them that middle corridor of the country. You know, we're talking about like Texas all the way up through the Midwest. You're not going to fairs and eating the same game. No. Like, let me tell you, because like I came out here the first year I got here. They were they were just now getting on the the like red velvet funnel cakes. And I was like, man, y'all are like eight years behind in fair technology. 
Right. Like this this been a thing that I saw people going, Oh, you can get red velvet wear. I'm like, you could have got that forever ago. The thing I will say though is up here, you can get like nice food at the fair. Like people that set up their their carnival stands and their kiosks or whatever, like they're they're making real food. Like you you I- can you can get like pho out here if you wanted to walking around the fair, right? You you ain't gonna do that down south. I love how even with, you know, internet, all the technology we have, sometimes it still takes years for this stuff to, to wake its way through the fair. Like back in the day, I, I get it. I had friends who lived in New York when I lived in middle Louisiana. And every time they showed up, we had to hear all the mixtapes they had because that stuff wasn't getting to Minden for another yeah. year, if ever. But now yeah. it's weird that this stuff takes a lot to filter through. I would even say up here, you know, how they had, they had a, a stand that was – you know, they were doing like fried Snickers and fried Oreos. And I was like, we literally have stands at even small fairs in Texas where they will like bring us anything. We'll fry it like mm-hmm. you, you could get food at a different stand, bring it to them. And for like three dollars, they will roll it and fry it for you. That's probably <laughs> how they get contest entries because it's stuff like, hey, they, they, they didn't think of it. Somebody yeah. bought it and came over there and said, hey, we'll fry it for you. And then I'm like, wait, this is actually pretty good. Please. And then I had people going like, oh, well, this stand over here, dude, it's crazy. They're doing fried Snickers. I'm like, dude, I'm for Texas. They literally fry butter. Like, right. it's not even. Like, fried Kool-Aid was a thing. Yeah, year. like, you, you ain't impressing nobody. Like, y'all are behind. Yeah. But I hear the same thing. Because so, I saw a thing from, uh, I want to say it was Wisconsin, one of their state fairs, maybe. Where they had this, this it was a meat cone. It, it, it was like a, it, it looked like a sundae or an ice cream cone, like a drumstick kind of thing. Okay. But it's filled with meat and then a layer of like mashed potatoes and then some <laughs> barbecue sauce. And, and, and you stack it up and it looks like an ice cream cone, but it's like meat, potatoes, whatever. And I'm like, see, that's state fair food. <laughs> right. That's how you do it. Because you so, eat that every day, you're going to keel over. But, you know, yeah, it's part of the fair you- experience. You give yourself a weekend, that's all right. But yeah. So Plus, you're going to do way more walking at the state fair than you would do under ordinary circumstances. You're going to burn a lot of these calories off, is what I'm telling myself. Also, fair. But yeah, if y'all if y'all live on the coast and you're, you're not like, I know y'all probably think, oh, we have like, you know, we get the, the Coney hot dogs or whatever. Even out here, people have this thing called like elephant ears, which are basically like puffy tortillas that you just put salt and, I mean, not salt, but cinnamon and sugar on. You know, and I'm I was like, gonna say, whoever you, who I'm are like, you your I'm like, them are all right, but like y'all, y'all just don't know what you're missing. Y'all got to go to one of those South or Midwest state fairs, and they're trying to kill people with food out there. Yeah, like, y'all, <laughs> y'all just don't know the difference. It's tradition. Real. If you if you seriously have not, if you were ever wondering when to go visit a place, like look to see when their state fairs are, so you can take like one or two days and just go chill out there and just go see the the spectacle. And, and plan to spend like $80 on food you don't need to eat, but you will never have a similar eating experience again in your life. But all right. That aside, I did learn something very interesting. And something that I probably should have known, and it makes sense once I saw the fact, but there's still countries that don't have Olympic medals. We literally have several this season or this last Olympics that got their first medal. And some of them had participated in like 18 Olympics, you know, which is 
wild to think about that these countries are spending all this money and training people and flying people and whatever, and some of them just don't get a medal. And I guess you take it for granted because, you know, when you're in the U.S., you have somebody competitive in almost every sport. So you just kind of go like, yeah, eventually you get a medal. But no, like there's actually some that just don't. And then when you start talking about the Winter Olympics, there well, one, there's a bunch of countries just don't even register anybody. Right. But there's several that have participated in, you know, double digit Olympics that don't have a Winter Olympic medal. And I'm just like, wow, that's not a thing you would even consider. But and it's not even like countries you would think of, because obviously, if you're from like the Caribbean, right, you don't put anybody in the Winter Olympics. You don't even have a good way to train or whatever. But then you have places like Argentina, as an example, that had think of participated in like 19 Winter Olympics and have no medals. That's it's kind of wild, right? When you think about just the amount of time, effort, promotion, you know, all that that goes into it. Yeah, you got to figure at some point, you know, whoever decides that, like, okay, yeah, this isn't working for us. Yeah. We can use this money elsewhere. It's also interesting, too, because you have some countries that have only participated in a handful of Olympics for one reason or another. You know, some of them don't even qualify more than like two athletes for an Olympics or whatever. Like, so it's, there's so many interesting little things like that, that I don't think people know. We sort of take it for granted just being from the U S or whatever, but yeah, there's a lot of those weird, small situations where some countries don't have representation. Some of them do. Some just don't win ever, you know, and then there's different levels too. I, I don't know if we talked about this last week, but like depending on what country you're from, you win more or less money for getting a medal. And there's different money for gold, silver, bronze. Another so, thing we take for granted is that we're still getting new countries. People, you know, countries break up and you get an entirely new country yeah. that's never been in the games before. They got to go through the whole qualifying for like this time we had, you know, the Russian Olympic Committee where, okay, the country couldn't participate because of all the savage cheating they apparently would do it. So if you wanted to participate as a Russian athlete, you had to go kind of yeah, go and join this committee. And that was very weird. To me. That was a weird thing because you didn't even really outlaw Russia from participating. Like, yeah, it's like there's, a, there's, you know, I don't know, a couple of hundred Russian athletes here. Well, and not only that, like the punishment was just basically, okay, but we aren't going to recognize Russia. There will be no Russian flags and we will not play the Russian anthem. And and that's it. Like, otherwise, their people got participate. They had most of the same coaches, except for the ones that were involved in some crap, or at least that they could immediately identify were involved in stuff. And that led to a lot of stuff at the Olympics where a lot of the athletes were still complaining about possible doping and this, that, and the other. Especially yeah, because I'm not believing they didn't get any help for Russia. Yeah, especially especially in swimming. I saw that come up like three or four times throughout the Olympics where people were talking, speaking out about it. So, yeah, the Olympics have a lot going on under the hood, man. I, I think for those people that aren't necessarily into sports of any kind or athletics, it's really worth diving into. I think from just a cool historical standpoint, from a worldwide perspective sort of thing like there's a there's a lot of little things going under just to understand how each country treats it or whatever you know i think it's a really interesting ordeal i mean it's even gotten so big now that like there's certain countries that just can't host the olympics because it's too expensive 
which is wild because it was originally the idea is it was going to move around the world and be in all these different, you know, major cities and where, and there's some now you just, they don't even make the list because like, you can't even consider Hell, Greece was upset because they wanted like the 2000 Olympics and they they just weren't set up for it. And then even now, I believe if I remember right, monetarily, they're still struggling because they hosted the Olympics. Yeah. So yeah, it's, that's, it's a, that's another thing that people you know don't always talk about is it just you assume that okay if you get the Olympics you're gonna make a bunch of money or if you get a Super Bowl but you know it's not always the case by the time you spend all the money to get your city or your country ready to host an event of that size. Yeah, I mean, yeah. then you could also be like Dallas and randomly get the snowstorm you never get once every right. like twenty years the year you have the Olympics <laughs> or the uh, the Super Bowl. So it was like that. That was a bad time. For me. The funny thing I was watching people go like, "How do they not have more than like two snow plows?" I'm like, "Cause it's freaking Cause Dallas, it's Texas, Dallas. dog." Like, what are you gonna do? Like, Irving, Texas does not have room or need for more than that. Like, what are you gonna no. do? But who knows? Most now, years you won't use those. Yeah, you spend more on upkeep than you do on actual operation of the damn things, probably. But yeah, it's just just a weird and different time for sure. But uh, let's get in some more gaming specific news for the peoples. Uh, so, you know, I did kind of allude to the work I've had to put in this week, and that's mostly because I'm trying to get ahead on content because we have the Hunter Burt Memorial Open coming up this weekend. Uh, so at the time you're listening to this, I will probably have already landed in the DFW area. So I'll, I'll be all of like probably 30 minutes or less away from Brian, actually. <laughs> in theory, 30 minutes. In reality. That's true. I'll be at the, <laughs> I will be at the Hearst Convention Center in Hearst, Texas, which is right in the middle, uh, just uh, just outside of Dallas. Yeah. You know, if you want to drive, it's about, I don't know, 20 minute drive from DFW airport. Not far at all. But uh, yeah, this event, for those you don't know, is a charity event to supports the awareness of suicide and suicide prevention and they usually pick a charity every year that the money goes toward that's in that space we do some messaging some interviews uh the their organization has started doing stuff i believe they started a program probably got derailed a little bit because of covid but they were starting a program to try to work with different uh venues and schools and whatever to try to kind of raise that awareness a little bit at one point, uh, they've just been doing a lot of good stuff. But coming off of COVID, this has actually created a lot of problems. This first, well, last year, we'll just say, like we tried to push it back a couple of times and ultimately had to cancel it because COVID, right? We weren't doing anything. This year, the idea was they were going to, okay, let's push it back. We'll be out of the hole come like April, May, and we could at least consider it. And we were making progress toward that, but they're like, okay, let's just push it back see what we can do in August, September. And until about two months ago, things were looking great. Yeah. Uh, so these last couple of weeks have led to a lot of discussion, you know, because I think it's one of those things that like, even though you didn't really ask for it, the, the reality is this is kind of the first actual big magic event uh, post COVID. Now <laughs> we'll talk about another event here later, that uh, could have been big, but obviously wasn't. But yeah, we're going to have seating, I believe, for 400 people. And this event normally seats 2,000 people. Like, it's a much larger event. 
So obviously, you know, and it's capped by the staff, by the way. So we can keep things spaced. You know, there's been discussions about like hand sanitizer stations, how many vendors you actually want, how the space has to be laid out, how we're going to handle stuff. We've even talked about, you know, doing commentary. Do we want there to be plexiglass between the commentators or do we want to sit farther apart and use two cameras or do it like so many things have had to be taken into consideration to make this event happen in a safe manner. Like, I'm just going to say COVID's a son of a bitch, y'all. Like it's, it causes problems for everything. You know, even if we're like, hey, do we want to get together and do something for dinner afterwards? Or we, you know, do you just want to chill in your hotel room? Do we want to do whatever? Like, you can't do anything without consideration or discussion right now if it involves more than a handful of people. You know, and even for the event, we we it, it was up front. If you sign up for the event, you're wearing a mask. Like, and that was before things even blew up here the last couple of weeks. So it was, you know, and people are like, oh, what did people get mad? Well, they knew when they signed up. Like, you can just not show up and, oh, well, sucks to be you. This is a mask mandated event, and that's non-negotiable. You know, and, and the other reality, too, is that being the first big card event, we'll, we'll say post-COVID, but we're in the middle of it. I think people are going to be looking at that and saying, OK, what steps did they take to make sure nothing happened? Because the other side is, too, if we started less restrictive, then people are immediately going to start peeling layers away when they do their events. And I would rather start more restrictive and then let people figure out what they want to peel away from there. Because if something works, let's let's go as far as we need to, you know, so it's tough because part of me is like, eh, you know, do I want to go? Do I want to travel with COVID being a thing or whatever? I'm vaccinated and everything. And obviously I still wear my mask around town when I go grocery shopping or whatever. But it's one of those things where like it's less of a concern for me because I'm doing commentary, right? I'm going to be in a separate room most of the time, not even around people. And I can go from the airport in my rental car to the hotel and never see planet earth effectively after that till i leave so i'm fine with it hell the hotel is even connected to the convention center so i don't even have to go outside but like it doesn't bother me that much but i know some other people aren't going to go for various reasons and i totally understand that you know i i like the cause i think it's worth being there doing those interviews i'm probably going to be posting some i don't know maybe some youtube shorts and some tiktoks from there just kind of like, hey, here's some things we had to do. Or for anybody who has any questions, I don't know, I may do even a live thing from there just to like, hey, do you have any questions about the event or what's going on? You know, just to kind of help educate people. You know, because again, I mean, believe COVID, not believe COVID, whatever. Like, it's a thing that people are getting sick from. Whether you believe in mask or not, or whatever crap you want to tell yourself, like people are dying from it. And we can't get back to gaming until we find a way to do gaming in the safest way possible. And unfortunately, there are some places where you're just not going to be able to game because some people are not even remotely trying to be safe right now. Like, literally, I saw a stat there, like, Texas and Florida make up over a third of all the new COVID cases. It's ridiculous. And yet you have both governors trying to make it to where, hell, the Florida governor was trying to make it to where schools wouldn't even get funding if they tried to mandate masks. How crazy is that? 
And four of them, I think four of the school districts are still like, all right, fine, F you. We're just going to fight over the money later. We're, we're going to tell people the same thing in Texas where the governor's mandated, hey, you know, mask mandates are illegal. And the largest school districts have pretty much already just kind of flipped him the middle finger on that. We're, we're wearing masks. Hell, even beyond that, I saw that in Texas, the, the education committee or whatever made it to where you don't even have to tell parents there was a COVID outbreak. Yeah, which as somebody pointed out on on my Twitter, they they're required to tell you if this if a one kid has lice, but they, they can't yes. tell you about COVID. That's just dumb. How insane is that? that that's well, Texas right there. That's just like, and we've reached the point that kids are dying from this now because it's becoming so widespread. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yo, like what's going on? So yeah, so on the gaming front, like we have to treat stuff differently. You know, if you want to get back to and hell, not only that, a, a month or so after that, there's supposed to be what the flesh and blood trading card game. So be doing one of their first big events in the Dallas area. Either that. Yeah, because I think Dallas, Dallas is like October. I think maybe Vegas was the one in September. OK, so those are coming up. Right. And Vegas is also not doing great on the covid front. No, no. <laughs> right? So like, come on, man, like. It's tough. And also, it's 130 degrees because they built Vegas in the desert. <laughs> yeah. So it's a it's a tough one, right? So all we've been doing all week is having lots of conversations, checking in, you know, having discussions on, you know, how does technology work if you want to try this other thing and making the event. It, we're trying to make the event feel as normal as possible while being as safe as possible. And that is very hard to do right now. But I know some people ask, like, how are y'all just doing this and not caring and whatever? It's like, dude, there's been a bunch of discussions behind the scenes. Like, literally for weeks. Yeah, so this like, thing was supposed to happen at this point. Yeah. Uh, 17, 18 months ago. So there's a lot of things that are being discussed. And I, th- and I would like to hope, I mean, again, we'll talk about this other event. But I would like to hope that anybody going forward that's going to run an event at least at this point for probably the next year is taking that level of consideration. Even if you don't go to the extremes we're going through right now, at least give thought to everything to say, hey, let's check all these boxes and make sure we're doing what we can. So our attendees and our staff are able to go home safe and not have anything to worry about, because that's very important. I mean, we want there to be more events. We want people to still be around to play more events. Like that's that's, you know, when I get down to it, that's one of the craziest parts to me of all of this. Like if you are. And I'm just going to say it because it, it is a political issue. So let's say if you are a Republican who, for whatever reason, is pushing vaccines or killing people and whatever and blowing, making up all that crap. Right. At some point, you are leading to the death of your own constituents. Like you're going to actually lose votes because your people and not even in small numbers, you're talking about thousands and thousands are dying. Because your constituents are right in the wheelhouse of people that are most vulnerable to this virus. Yeah. Like that's the part that's so wild to me. Like you are going, you're not, you're going to, you're not even going to lose support among your people. You're just going to straight up lose people. That just from a political standpoint, it feels like it would make sense to be like, hey, four years from now, do we want the other side to be the only one that's still around? <laughs> like, obviously, you're, not everybody's going to die from it. But you know what I'm saying? 
It's turning into the Shrek meme. So you're going to die, and that is a sacrifice I am willing to make. <laughs> I guess so, man. I what guess so. Republican leaders are looking like right now. It's crazy, though. It's crazy. Like I said, even if you you aren't a big supporter, but like at some point you have to be able to look around and say, like, how come every time one of these events happens, we end up with this many people in this area starting to get sick? How come there's a shortage of ICU beds? in Florida and Texas and these other red states, but that doesn't seem to be a case in a lot of the blue states. Right? I mean, this isn't... I mean, I, it's it sucks to make it political because other people made it political, but at some point, you have to look and say, like, yeah, there's something to that. And it sucks because it's going to affect all of our gaming, too. And we can't host all these. We've talked about it before. You know, people are like, how come Wizards isn't scheduling XYZ? And how come that? Because Wizards events are freaking huge. If Wizards were to do announce a Grand Prix right now and say, like, okay, this next Grand Prix is going to qualify you for these number of events. And maybe we're bringing back nationals and you can start earning points for that. And there's going to be, I don't know, $50,000 in prizes or whatever. At this point, they'd probably get two, 3,000 people. Are they going to host a 3,000 or more person event right now? Hell no. No. They'd be financially liable. Yeah. It totally wouldn't be worth it for them. Like the legal risk, absolutely. Honestly, and this is sad to say, I'm hoping the flesh and blood events don't draw well on attendance. And I'm not even wishing poorly on the company, but more for the safety aspect. Because like I said, even for our event, that is normally a 2,000 person thing, we are only allowing 400 people in and staff. And as we said, you know, a few podcasts ago, we understand the marketing standpoint for, for flesh and blood. Where, hey, there's Absolutely. An people are thirsty for tournaments. They're going to take that risk and jump in there. And yeah, it could go where, hey, nobody gets sick and they gain ground. Or it could go full super spreader and it bankrupts the game. Both of these are outcomes that can happen. Or it could be somewhere in the middle. We understand I, why they're doing what they're doing. Now, my separate thing on flesh and blood is, and I mentioned it last time, is there's still no indicator of anything on the casual level. And that, to me, is what's keeping me from going heavy on it. Because you know as well as I do, every single game that has pushed some big pro-level thing, and that's where everything went and all their marketing and their talk or whatever, has usually died within three to five years. And most of them in three years or less. And that's the same reasoning. Like if you don't have a casual following or your game isn't playable on a casual level or whatever, you just don't have the money there. Which now they do have a format. I think I forget what it's called, but it's strictly for casual play. Yeah. Play with the, the younger versus the heroes. I think, and again, I can't remember for the life of me what it's called. But I think their, their biggest problem though, is like, they're still, they need a quality, like, I don't know, FNM equivalent or something that, you know, or some content creators that are pushing just like weird formats or intro level play or something. And right now everybody keeps going like, oh, well, look, they're using the Pro Tour branding. They're holding these cash tournaments coming up. They're doing that. I'm like, okay, sure. But then what? You know, and I, and I feel like I'm just being the negative nerd in the room, but it's just like, we've seen this before. We've seen it with the wild TCG. We've seen it with the spoils. We've seen it with the, 
the versus system, yep. you know, like you just check the boxes. Everybody who's tried to do some high level thing without casual level support doesn't get their health. One of the, like the myriad of DBZ games, you know, like a couple of those tried to do big things and that didn't work. But you have your mainstays like Pokemon and Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh whatever that are still there. You know, and people don't understand why Wizards is still pushing more on casual play and commander and whatever. It's because like there's a lot of money there. And don't get me wrong, I want there to be top level play. And, you know, I, I have no doubt that when we're in a safer environment, more high level play will come back to magic. And so all the people that I'm, are I'm not as sure because we're seeing we're seeing so many people move away from high level play just because, you know, as as Brian Kibler, many people pointed out, you know, the, the money or the publicity you would get from the pro tour. Crokies gives you for free. Yeah. And all the other people that are streaming it geeks. So we're seeing we're seeing this in Call of Duty. Well, Overwatch obviously has a whole bunch of other problems causing them to lose sponsorship. Overwatch League may go away, even though it's not that they want it to go away. They just meant to be keep mainly getting made to sponsor it because of all the problems they got going on. Yeah. But if that does happen, what are all those pro players gonna do? They're gonna start streaming. Yeah, and, and here's the thing, right? Ultimately, you need personalities. You know, we've talked about that before. And I do think it there's a benefit to having a series of pro tournaments because they are promotional. They are things you can talk about. They make good news stories. The local communities come around and you get the newspapers to come out and local TV stations, right? So there, there's stuff to it and there's a reason to continue it. But to make that your main marketing point, that's not worth it. You know, there's there's a lot attached to pro play, and I think there are some justifications that players make in their spending and whatnot because the events exist and there's a chance to win money, and that's all great. But I just think the way we've done it previously, and that's some of what the video game industry is starting to see right now, they like that wasn't really the best way to do it. You know, you have teams cutting members, you know, yeah. you have companies cutting sponsors to some of these different esports teams, even. Because they're going different routes, because there's more ways to make money. You you can go pay somebody to go do some ads on TikTok or YouTube, or you can pay to this person who's you have to do all the work to get them out there, put them in videos or whatever, because they're not personalities. And it sucks, but that's just the world we live in. You know, there's tons of gamers that are great at the games they play. I tell, I dare say phenomenally great at the games they play but they don't have a personality. Their personality is I'm good at this game. And that that's not good for marketing. Like that's just not going to get people interested. That's not going to sell you extra product. That's not going to get people to tune in. But I guarantee you, if you took an event, honestly, I bet if you took an event that was the top pro players, you took, hell, let's even just use magic as an example. You took the top 50 pros and then you went and took the top 50 content creators guarantee you the one with the content creators are going to draw more more eyeballs you know why because each one of them is going to go out they're going to promote it they're going to send emails to their people they're going to post it in their discords whatever and then even if each of them just has a small hell five or ten percent of their community tune in to watch all together that's going to be a big pile of people whereas a bunch of the pros don't even want to stream whereas a lot of the content creators and personalities they're they're on stream three, four, five times a week. They're posting up YouTube videos. They've got TikTok accounts. 
they're they're sharing stuff on Facebook. They've they've got heavily managed Discord channels. You know, like it's a whole different world. And I think there's companies are coming around to that. So Flesh and Blood, like I said, I, I hope it does well. I really do. I mean, I think having other good games and other competitors isn't a bad thing. But right now, I hope. Yeah, because to your earlier point about nobody being able to do this, you know, without casual play, this is a unique situation where before, you know, there was other pro play to go to. They're, they enter a situation now where almost nobody else is doing any kind of pro play. So this will be. Yeah. Um, I can remember where any kind of situation like this has happened. So that may give them a shot that nobody else has had. I, I agree with you. My my only concern right now is I kind of I kind of want a specific wish. I hope they draw well enough to not lose money. <laughs> like I don't want them to be harmed by running the events, but I want and the events to want also to be safely. Uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Like I would love for them to be successful. Just I don't know, man. I don't know. Like it, it's a tough time. But while we're on the subject of talking about pro events, that does bring up another topic. This past weekend, we did have the Challenger Gauntlet for Magic the Gathering. So, I mean, so people don't know, like, they're like, why is this event happening? Because they canceled pro play or whatever. Like, well, to be specific, they didn't cancel pro play. They canceled the MPL. But because of how it was promoted and everything else, they're being kind to people effectively and saying, okay, there's still going to be another year worth. So people didn't just get dropped on their head. You know, just like, hey. We're giving you time to set up prep. Know that you have another year. This is still a thing. So they went through with the the gauntlets and everything. Else. And the other gauntlet, I believe, happens next weekend. One of this weekend or next weekend, can't remember, but coming up. So they'll they'll still have their event. You still get to qualify for the world championships, all that stuff. Because people were asking, like, why is this still a thing? Like, and I think that's the problem. We I, language. We got to be more careful with our words, man. Because I think there's a lot of people saying, oh, they canceled pro play. It's like, no, they just canceled the MPL. Like, they've already said there will still be tournaments, still going to be Grand Prix. There's still going to be stuff on your local level. Just COVID's a thing right now. Well, like, I think for for a lot of people, the dream was to get paid to do it. So, like, if you're not even going to make a full-time salary for a lot of people, that's what they consider to be canceled. Yeah, but you can. But there were people that were still now. Granted, the best of the best, but like you'll still be able to go to tournaments and still win twenty thousand dollars. You know, they'll still be finished sixteenth at this Grand Prix, make five hundred or a thousand dollars or whatever. Like that's still going to be a thing. You're just not going to get paid to, well, effectively do nothing but show up to league weekends and play in four big tournaments a year, which is what the MPL ended up being for a lot of people, because again. A lot of those people weren't personalities. They had no interest in streaming. They weren't using a lot of social media. Like, that just wasn't who they were. And I think Wizards realize that. They're like, hey, we're paying a big chunk of these people to literally just show up and occasionally play Magic. So they're getting away from that. Sucks. I get it. Yeah, I know people absolutely. want it to be a thing. But, like, and don't get me wrong. Like, I get that Wizards makes money. It's not like they can't afford to pay it. But, like, name any business no matter how much money they make, that they're just going to pay for a thing that does nothing for them outside of a true charity. It's not a thing you do. Like, even when I had my store, like, I, I gave plenty well, to charity. Because, you know, for a while they were saying this was going to be a sport, and that's pretty much 
how every other sport works. All you paid LeBron James to do was show up and play basketball. Now, anything else he does, you know, but, he gets that money. You don't get any of that money. But there's a difference. LeBron James makes that big paycheck because he also draws attendance everywhere and sells shoes and sells jerseys and, you know, has deals with a bunch of sponsors and whatever. Like, you're not getting that from the pros. Like, people aren't going, hey, I'm going to buy more Magic because LSV is playing Magic. Right? It just, it's just not a thing. Lionel I mean, Messi. I'm not going to say it's not a thing. It's obviously not the same amount of money. But, yeah, certainly there are people that have a favorite pro player or, you know, especially if you're lucky yeah, enough to have but one at how, your shop that got you into the game. But how many of those people are buying significantly more magic because of that person? I mean, if they got you into the game and got you excited about the pro aspect. Sure. That's but how and many there are lots do, of stories of people that being, only picked up the game because you know such and such person played it that they respected and sure, taught them how but to being play. generous being generous how many people do you think even somebody like lsv we'll say because he's one of the well-known ones let's say how many people do you think that's true for for lsv let's say we say a thousand that would be huge right a thousand would be huge, especially if they let's say they each buy a couple of boxes. Yeah, he's heard this keep certainly at that point. But I don't even think it's a thousand. That's what I'm saying. But you know as well as I do, there's hell hundreds of thousands of LeBron jerseys that get sold every year. Oh yeah, you know hell Nike makes a crap ton of money off of LeBron shoes or whatever, right? There's there's a reason they make that kind of money. And that's why when people try to compare it to other sports, I'm just like, man, it's it's apples and oranges. And honestly, it's not but even... But again, we didn't tell Wizards they could be that. Wizards decided they could agreed. be that and then failed miserably. Totally agree. Now, and I still say, I don't think they did the best at getting there. I think no, they, they messed absolutely, up they a lot. did pretty much the worst. <laughs> they yeah. I think there's multiple. a bunch of things. But even then, I tried to tell people, like, being real, even if we went back and redid it, and we got the best case scenario, it still has a ceiling on it. And the ceiling's not all that high. But if we, if we okay, comparing it to, to sports is apples and oranges. We compare it to League of Legends. League sure. of Legends gets higher ratings than the World Series, which is supposed to be the third most popular sport in America. Sure, but even with League of Legends, it's not Riot that's paying every one of those players. So are we saying the magic ceiling isn't even as high as the biggest video game? No, I don't think it is. I've never thought it was. Even even if Wizards of the Coast gets to a point that they're making more money than Riot makes, I still don't think their ceiling is as high because of the games themselves. That's, and the reason I say that, that is... That's mind-blowing to me, though, because Riot, for example, it would be probably even the most popular, the most popular video game in their genre, but I can think of probably... 10 video games that are more popular than League of Legends. Sure. But but the thing is, and this is what I tried to explain to people years ago, is that at any given time, we can just go play Magic even away from a computer. Right? We can go play Commander. We can go do whatever. We don't ever have to engage with what's going on online to know anything or any level of strategy or whatever. And you can, hell, and not only that, you can be enjoying Magic at the same time in an event while the big event's going on because yeah. we have magic tournaments all the time everywhere. And especially on the weekends, 
So you're just never like your audience is so split because of how magic like you can play magic a bunch of different formats, a bunch of different ways. You can play in groups, you can play in singles, you can play in your local store, you can go to Grand Prix, right? There's all these different ways. Whereas when I'm playing a video game, there's usually like maybe two different game modes. And then I'm mostly just playing online. Like I don't have other options. So everybody engages with the game mostly the same way. And that makes the ceiling higher for the number of views or eyeballs, potential sponsors or whatever, because all those people are going to gravitate to the exact same thing. It would be like if you could somehow get every commander player, it's not going to happen, but let's say you get every commander player to tune in and watch, I don't know, Sheldon and some of the RC folks or whatever play some sponsored commander thing. That would probably draw huge eyeballs. But that's a scenario that's almost never going to happen. And I think that's why. It's not like I don't think Magic can make more money, and it's not that I don't think Magic can be competitive or that Wizards as a company couldn't make more money than Riot. I just think the way people engage with the products is different. That doesn't lead to all the eyeballs being online at the exact same time. So, yeah, that's and I know people find that hard to believe, but I'm like, just think about how you engage with the products. They're entirely different. I mean, I can't. I mean, there's no local thing that's going to take me away to play League. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not. So I'm almost always going to be on my computer or easily accessing it or be reminded about the things or whatever. There's a bunch that goes into it. But anyway, like I was saying, I think the issue there is that esports teams are paid for by outside entities, by third parties, like not the parent company producing the game. And I think that's another thing, too, that I think the average Magic player isn't aware of. Like when you see Team Liquid or some of these other teams, like some of them are backed by teams that actually own like NFL and soccer teams or NBA teams. Right? They have real money back in. These are third parties. So if we can get to the point that third parties are coming in, and they think they can turn it into enough money. And and the other thing, too, is those teams aren't just paying the players. They're helping with, like, the training. They're helping with the PR. They're doing their social media. Like, they're doing everything they can to make those people even more marketable. That's where a big chunk of that money is going. You didn't have that any other way. Like, basically, we were asking Wizards to produce the product, host the events, pay out the prizes, pay the players and do all the promotion of the events and all the PR for the players that are bad at PR. That's not realistic. It's just not. I wouldn't even say you're asking to pay for the PR of the people that are bad because there are lots of people in – does Riot promote the 105th best League of Legends player the same way they promote the topic? No, that guy gets no but. But the company sponsoring that 105th best player is. And that's what I'm saying. Riot doesn't. Whoever is paying for that player is handling that. That's somebody outside of the building who has deemed that person worthwhile to have on their roster. So they're going to do what they can to promote them and get more eyeballs on their jerseys or whatever with the names of their sponsors or whoever. Like, that's what we don't have in Magic. That's the that's the toughest part. No, granted, I think we kind of went on a long tangent, but I think it's still worth it. (laughs) But yeah, anyway, back to where we I think we originally started was one of the things that came up after this event, which, by the way, I think the event was fine. It, it, you know, coverage was solid. 
people talked about it, got a decent amount of action on social media. So, you know, did what it did at this point. But one of the things that came up a few times that I see people discussing is people, and, and I feel like, and not just to this event, I think I feel like I've seen this throughout most of last year or the last 12 months for online events where people complain that some players from different countries have an advantage because of time zones. And I feel like we can't avoid that. I mean, I, I was telling you uh, before we started recording that I remember an event with me and Corey Bowmeister where it started late because they were trying to balance some of the time zones or something, make it easier for some players outside the U.S. So when we finished coverage, it was like 1 a.m. for me and like 4 a.m. for him because he was on the East Coast. And we were just like, cool, we just decided to work it. We knew we were going to finish late, but like, you know what I did? I shifted my sleep schedule knowing I had an event coming up I had to do coverage for. And then we did it. You know, the same thing if you're a player, like you just have to know. I mean, because no matter if you start an event at noon, well, that's going to be midnight for somebody somewhere or three in the morning for somebody else and six in the evening for somebody else. Like, I don't know if there's a good solution because people said, well, what if you do like pool play within each country? OK, cool. Then your top four from each country, some percentage of them are still going to have a problem with the the time zones. Right. It's going to affect somebody no matter what you do. And then even if we do the pool play, then it'll be a whole discussion about, well, how come this country got to qualify more people than this country and blah, blah. You know, that's a whole different thing. I just feel like we can't like, and I think the other example I'd use is like, you know, these online games that are huge in the Asian markets, right? So something like Starcraft too, that's probably still played huge in Korea. Well, if there's a big online Starcraft tournament, I would expect it to be on Korean time. And if I want to play, well, then I'm going to have to get up at some early hour of the morning or stay up late because that's just the way it's going to work. It sucks. Don't get me wrong. But like, I don't I mean, the, the worst part is people complaining with no real solution. Like that's that's my problem to all these things. Like it's one thing if you want to complain about a thing, but at least try to offer a solution. In this case, I don't know what a good solution would be. I don't know if there is one. We're just in a world full of digital games. And unfortunately, that's how time works. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be an awful hour for somebody. Like, have you have you ever encountered anything with like a time zone issue online? Oh, yeah. Like you said, if you want to play in a, an event or sometimes you want to watch or cover an event. Because I've had to cover, uh, you used to cover Evo every year. And yeah, you easily go till almost 10 or 11 at night, then we're back, you know, up at 10 or 11 next morning. That's true. Evo's a good one, too. That one did go kind of long hours. So, yeah, I don't know. That was the only thing I, that you know, when I saw people complaining, you know, of course, there were some people that were just finally relieved of the stress because the event was over. But, you know, the stress part, I kind of go, yeah, that just comes with high-level play. Like, that, that I get. And you're just venting. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Like, and, and it's it interesting. Seemed like anytime I felt like I had enough to write and I would go to bed, I would miss some incredible combo or some crazy thing. And I get up the next day and oh, look, <laughs> look at all these other websites that have this incredible thing. And you don't because you went to bed, you loser. Ah. <laughs> you know, yeah. But, and that's kind of the same thing, though, right? Like, though, from a coverage standpoint, like you lost a competitive advantage because you yeah. weren't in the same time zone. 
but again, there was probably obviously a big chunk of riders who were in a reasonable time zone and it worked for them. So like there's, there's, there's no way around it. I think just, I, it's interesting because I think it's just, as we get further into this, like digital gaming world, I think that's just always going to be a discussion. Right. And I, and I appreciate people like star city, right. They try to do their, their Friday, Saturday qualifiers they've been doing that they start throughout the day. I think they have one that starts at like, 5 a.m. or something local time and then the other one starts around like uh, 9 and then another one maybe at like noon or 11 and another one at like 6 p.m. or something so depending on where you are in the world you can probably find one that starts roughly you know 10 to 1 p.m. somewhere in your time zone and then of course the final event though is still going to be on star city time because they're the ones hosting the event like what you want them to do you know what i mean right. like so even if you played in one that you qualified that would have been, let's say, 6 p.m. to midnight or 1 a.m. Star City time, you're not going to get to play an event that starts at 6 p.m. their time. Like You're going to start playing the one that starts at 9 or 10 a.m. So they can run the event in an efficient manner with the staff they have available. Like there's there's no way around. And they're doing a good job with it. Don't be wrong. I'm not complaining about it at all. But like even for them, eventually, you're just going to have to concede to their time zone. Because they're the ones running the event. But anyway, yeah, I just thought that the time zone thing was something interesting. But uh, since we alluded to the crazy event, let's talk about this other event. So you might have seen things going on on social media where people mentioned or even hashtagged secret GP. If you didn't know, uh, it's probably because it was a secret. No, yeah, uh, in, all, <laughs> in all seriousness, this was, and I don't even remember the name of the company, but probably good because I wouldn't put them on blast anyway. But this company decided they wanted to run an event like a Grand Prix. So I guess they called it a Grand Prix, even though it had no attached qualifications for anything or anything like that, which is kind of weird, but, you know, they're, they're prerogative. And man i have to tell you somebody asked me what was a red flag for me in this event and i literally said everything and i wasn't even being like dodgy or whatever i'm being dead serious there was not a single thing about this event that i would have said was done well like the promotion on it was bad the a looked like it was made with geocities in 1996 like the schedule was all weird. The prizes were awkward and some of them were like store credit and this, that, and the other for like a thing you're promoting as a grand prix. The location wasn't the best, but it wasn't bad. You know, there wasn't anything posted about like COVID protocols or whatever. There were judges who didn't know it was happening, but they managed to get enough judges as it turned out, because fortunately the event was not large. There was like just, you know, and then leading up to the event, like a bunch of stuff just got canceled. And then there was supposed to be a, a if you weren't playing the main event, there was going to be like a, a door fee if you wanted to come in just for side events or something. Like there was just all these things that were very awkward about it. From, they from charge people just if you wanted to come in and just spectate also. Yeah, if you weren't in the event, you know, there was a door charge, right? So it, it was weird, man. There was just a lot of stuff. And then even on the day of, you know, they, one, I mean, once they knew there was going to be short attendance because i believe the event only had 62 people something like that low 60s 
it was just enough to get them to that like seventh or eighth round, whatever it was. So they didn't have that many folks. So obviously they canceled. They weren't going to do a day two. So they were just going to cut the top eight and play it that day, which is fine. I don't fault them for that. Save your money. It's not a big event, whatever. But then like they they didn't have a plan. It didn't sound like for how like COVID protocols. Fortunately, they decided the morning of if you weren't wearing a mask, it'd be a game loss or whatever. So that was good, like to at least get you to mask up. So that was cool. But yeah, so they had to have judges like turn chairs backwards so people couldn't use certain ones or whatever while people were playing. And I was just like, this should have been thought of ahead of time. Like we're organizing an event now that is going to have easily six times, if not more attendance than that one. And we already have a whole plan in place, messaging and all. Websites updated, promoted. You know, we even have a site set up. So if you want to send in your deck list early, like all that. Side events and everything, you know, had vendors. Oh, oh, oh. And then let's talk about the day of. I had multiple people I was following that were live tweeting. This thing was a disaster. Like apparently the venue from what I'm told wasn't even open yet at the time they planned to start or whatever oh, so that God. was a thing <laughs> yeah so I, I, unless i misread it that's the way i interpret it like people were there ready to go sign up and register and the doors weren't even open yet so that, that was already like some of my worst comedy gigs <laughs> yes yeah, so that's already the first problem right then they had a single vendor there which turns out when you only had like 60 people or whatever like one vendor's fine but then the vendors apparently couldn't handle buying cards because they literally scanned every single card into the app for prices and everything else. Like, how can you efficient? Like, let's somebody brings you like 200 cards they want to sell and you're literally going to take your phone out or whatever and scan every single card. I, I would fire my staff. I literally would have walked over the table. I would have booted somebody out of their chair and told them to go the F home. Like, and honestly, that's not even the employee's fault. It's probably whoever owns a play, like just poor training, right? You have to have people that can identify condition and everything else, give a reasonable price. It, hell, even have your hottest cards to save time. So if people just want to bring you those, you can just offer them money and boom, get them, send them on their way. So many things you could do better. Like there's a bunch of ways to handle that. But when you have a person taking the cards and scanning stuff in and you have a 12, 14 person line, like, come on, man. Like, ugh. and then, and then the play mat. Did you see this thing? I did see the play mat. <laughs> I, like, is, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to describe it. That's what the pause is. But basically it's, it's a, it looks like a poker table that has Goku, which somebody believes is actually a trace of a Goku, actually. Which, by the way, first off, this has four different IPs on it, which obviously is going to be a violation of a lot of things. So that's already a big problem. Because across from Goku is... We're, okay, all of these characters are questionably drawn. I will say that, to put it nicely. It's kind of like, like you probably have somebody who's between the ages of like 10 and 12-ish that are getting into art right now, and they probably have some of their favorite characters or whatever, this is probably how they would draw them. So you have the Goku facing away 
weirdly holding some card. And then across the table, there's a Liliana that is highly questionably drawn Liliana next to an anime chick who looks like her head's on crooked. And I don't know why. And then is next to Yugi, who I'm pretty sure they just copied the standard Yugi promotional pose as he's holding the card with two fingers or whatever. The 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 worst part about the whole is like even the font isn't right on it. Like the C in the front of it actually is crooked and doesn't line up with the rest of the font. <laughs> like, and I'm just looking at this thing like, okay, you already had all the IP violations and everything else, but like you could even get the basic part of it right. And now somebody pointed out to me like, hey, because they did such a crappy mat, at least we're talking about the mat in the event. And I'm like, you know what? You're not wrong. But I also know artists that could do a fantastically impressive mat for a very small fee. One of my art, a couple of my artist friends, when I posted about it, was like, oh, you got to show me the picture, man, or whatever. And they sent me DMs going like, I could crush this in an afternoon. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and don't get me wrong. Like, yes, we have good art on play, but you know as well as I do. If you do a good art play mat, people will want that. Oh, yeah. But you're not wrong. Like we were talking about the crappy mat for like a whole day because man, that thing is. I just found somebody's ironic comment on Reddit where they said that the people that got that absolutely iconic play mat might be worth the cost of entry. Those masterpieces are in limited supply. I mean, they're not wrong though, right? Like this, this. I mean, somebody tried to say this is like the magic equivalent of Fire Festival. Which, yeah, which isn't that, that bad because at least you got to the event happened and things went on like fire festival was real bad but i get what they're saying it wasn't quite as bad as the ball pit if you remember that at that convention so like i do was, not i guess it's gonna oh, be a huge yeah you gotta go look up yeah you gotta go look up go look up uh convention ball pit memes and that'll take you down the rabbit hole for that event but yeah that was an event where like the owners mismanage all the money and then like they they literally had a ball pit, which was a sad swimming pool level ball pit in in one of the rooms, I guess, as an added bonus features. I don't know. <laughs> it was crazy. That's, that's, yeah, that's from a while ago. That might be man. Has that that's definitely been more than 10 years at this point. I don't know how long. But yeah, so top to bottom, this event was just a mess. Now, I will give them credit. They apparently got at least enough quality judge staff to help keep the thing on rails, make it go. It was a little weird because I guess they made their own app for events, but everybody already knows about the companion app and the event link thing that Wizards has been using. So I don't know why you would make your own apps like that also was a little questionable. I hear their app wasn't bad, but my thing is like if people are using the other thing at their local stores, and are going to be using them at other Wizards events, like, why wouldn't you just also use the same thing that everybody's already going to have access to that they've probably already downloaded updates and done all the things to make sure they work on their devices and everything, right? So, and and this is me coming from a per- perspective of, I've run thousands of local events. I've run, probably realistically, I can say, a couple hundred mid-size area or regional events. I've run a couple years of my own convention. None of the things they did for this event outside of getting quality judges would I say were probably correctly done. Every step of the way, they either 
did something that would have led to upset players, events not starting on time, you know, people not hurting your own attendance because people don't know what to expect. Like just, oh man, it was bad. And I knew it was going to be bad going in. I literally told people like, and here's how bad it is. I almost went, if I didn't have an event this weekend that I was already planning for and prepping for, I probably would have went just so I could actually get content out of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not joking. I literally had that conversation where I was like, man, I probably should go just because I could just make, I could probably make like three videos out of that, an article. I could probably live tweet some things like, but I just was like, ah, I can't not when I have all this stuff going on this week. But yeah, it was, it was crazy, man. I, I just, I don't know. And again, I'm not, wasn't wishing bad on them, but it was just like somebody had a grand idea and just didn't understand what they were getting themselves into. As you said, the signs were there, you know, at the beginning, because it would, I heard, and again, we, you know, do this whole, <laughs> we do all this magic stuff every week. I had heard nothing about this thing before, like, Friday. <laughs> and again, on Saturday, oh, look at these secret GP trending. Like, what did I miss? What did, was there advertising? No, there wasn't advertising. Just, I guess we just had to know somebody who knew somebody. My thing is, especially if you're going to run, like we are, like running an event during the time of COVID, you should be highlighting all the things you're doing. You should be making it as easy for people to register, minimizing contact the day of if you can. Like there's so many things. Like every event has its own challenges, depending on where it's at, what other events are going on in the area, you know, what releases are out nearby? Are you going to have side events or whatever? Like there's, there's a lot of things to consider with every event, but having done all that, I just looked back at this one and went, there was, this never had a chance. And I, I would like for this to be an example to people, not to say don't ever try to run a big event, but understand that it's not as easy as people think it is. I tell people all the time, like when you show up to an event and you look around and everything's perfect and you know, Results are coming in and each round's getting up and down in a couple of minutes or whatever. It looks easy. You know why? Because they put a crap ton of effort in on the back end that you never see. I have literally been playing in an event, seeing things going badly. I dropped from the event and went and volunteered to help the people because by the time the participants start seeing how bad things are, that means the wheels are probably falling off on the other side. That means something happened like the printer's probably broken or whatever, or one of their staff got hurt or there's confusion. And now you're back trying to make up time. And, you know, like there's something going on that's leading to an issue. And I don't think people understand that, like. For an event to look as smooth and goes with us, there is tons of planning and practice and working. And that was the other thing, too. We had staff we worked with regularly. So communication was simple. Like I could send a text or we could just quickly say one or two things to somebody. They knew what to do or your staff has worked with you enough to where they don't have to ask questions about certain things. Like they see a situation, they go deal with it and they just come past, you know, passing by you to say, hey, just, you know, I did this in this last round. Awesome. Thanks. And you keep going. That's how these larger TOs have built up to be able to do these large, large events with, you know, sometimes 50 staff members or whatever. Right. To, to make it work. I don't think people understand that. Like there is a whole production that goes on. I mean, I can even tell you for, for the conventions I ran, it was having different people assigned to different things. I checked in with them every couple of days. We updated schedules on a website. We had 
registration set up a certain way. You know, we had the schedule for people working the booth. Yeah, I had personalities for even like a cosplay judges and whatever. And like so many boxes have to be checked continually to make sure that we, and then, you know, people, we got done the weekend of and people were like, man, that felt like it was so much bigger than it was. And we had a good time and blah, blah. It's like, great. They didn't see all the stuff we were doing behind the scenes where I'm running between locations and, you know, we're running out of something and I'm having to call the store and have something reloaded and blah, blah, you know. And one of your guests isn't where they're supposed to be. So you've got to check in and make sure they're going to be there to sign stuff on time. And, you know, like, but that's what makes things go. Not saying you can't make money doing it, but it is not easy. And I feel like that's what this organizer found out. They're like, oh, nobody's running events. Man, we're going to sign up. We're going to run our own Grand Prix and we're going to give away this much in prizes and whatever. And then realize that like, oh, we only had 60 people show up. And a bunch of people are making fun of us on social media because this is so bad. Like, yeah, it's, it's not that easy. Like, it's a lot of work to run a large quality event. Although I, I want to buy a copy of that playbook. So <laughs> I agree. I, I got some coming. <laughs> I mean, I'm cool having a piece of history. But I would have bought that playmat even if it was good art just because of the moment you know so like i don't think it's the quality now the quality of the art does make it a little get that little chef's kiss you know like, <laughs> I, I mean it kind of is like let's be real like on like it would have it would have almost been sad for the event to be super crappy but then you're like ah but it had this brilliant play mat like the play mat you look at it and go like yeah that that kind of like encapsulates the whole thing like, this is about what it was. And that's what I'm saying. Like, and I don't want this to make it sound like I hate the organizers. And that's why I said, like, I'm not even bothering to to put their name name out there. Like, I hope they learn they from it. I appreciate that. Yeah, I hope they learn from it and do better events. But I also want it to be an example to people that the good organizers put in a lot of time. You know, when you see these Star City events or Channel Fireball events or the things that used to be run by, like, Steve Port and, and Legion events or whatever, like they have so much help even just shipping in screens so they could post pairings and they can you know their own sound equipment to make sure that they don't have to worry about the equipment from the venue and but like all of that matters hell we had backup ink drums for our printers just to make sure that we were not going to run out and we we would make sure we brought four or five extra reams of paper and like i literally had a at a those big rubbermaid bins that had items that I just checked off on a list before I put it in the car for an event. And I, and I set it up 24 hours beforehand. And I was like, do we have the right number of printer ink? Do I have the printer in there? Do I have cables? Do I have uh, extra paper? Do we have things for table markers or whatever if we need them? Do I have extra writing utensils? Do I like literally, do you just go down the list? Like, because you've run enough events, you know what that list is already, right? So it's it's tough, man. There are so many things. I, I, man, if people wanted to, I could literally do a whole thing on just like setting up an event and all the things that go on behind the scenes. It is crazy. It is very very difficult. So, on the one hand, like I said, looking from the outside in, part of me wanted to just was like, "Yep, this is what I expected." The other part of me was like, "Man, I kind of feel bad for these people because they, I think they thought they knew what they were getting into, but they really didn't know." And as we've seen this week, having the pandemic kind of always be a looming cloud over your event adds even a whole other layer of stuff. 
Like I can tell you for this event alone, we have a group of us that are doing commentary and that's a whole thing on trying to figure out how are we going to do commentary? How are we going to do interviews? How is the coverage team going to set up? How are we checking for deck lists or how we, who do we want to pick for feature matches every round? Like all that's a thing, right? Then you have a separate team that just judges on, you know, how are they going to handle registration? You know, how who's going to handle the announcements? How do you get people up and down? What are you going to do for penalties if people are not spaced out? Are you going to do it like that's a thing, right? And then you have a whole separate one that's just for admin, right? How do you, who's dealing with the venue? Are they going to have all the stations set up the way we want? Who's setting up the room? When are we going to get there to double check it? If you have hotel rooms for people, how's that going to be like three, effectively three different teams of people, <laughs> right? For a 400 person event. And it has to be that way because of COVID, right? And COVID is affecting each person's discussions. And you know what? We have a thing. We have a message channel on Facebook that if there's any questions or somebody has a thing, like we're checking in and asking and you gotta though, you gotta. So it's gonna be even more difficult to run an event, probably, like I said, for at least the next year, sadly. And I don't think we get around it. I wish we wish we could, but it's just kind of the world we're in. Sucks. This is just kind of a information thing, but Jumpstart, Historic Horizons, which ugh, not a big fan, but whatever, has been pushed back another, I think it was two weeks, so they could work on programming stuff or whatever for it. But in the meantime, they put out some announcements saying they're going to have some other stuff available for us. So starting on August 12th to the 24th, which means when you start listening to this, when it goes live and for two weeks, there's going to be historic brawl is going to be available. Why it's not still available all the time. If you're listening to this wizards, please do that. People just want it to be a thing. If you do play historic brawl, from what I understand, from what the announcement said, there's no entry fee. And if you get your first win in it, you will get 3000 experience on the mastery pass. So if you just want to get some easy up and get some rewards in the mastery pass, hop on and play historic horizons until you get a win or not historic Horizons, historic brawl until you get a get a win and that's it so a kind of little neat little free gimme they're also going to have free uh what were they whatever they're calling their throwback drafts uh those will be up so they're gonna every other week i think they're going to be changing the drafts so you'll be able to do like uh the older formats like the amonkhet drafts and whatever and apparently everybody's going to get one free draft in each of those as well so you can hop on and just get some free cards you could rare draft you could do whatever you want but that's pretty cool too. Just be able to hop in and get some free drafts. You can play Historic Brawl and get some free Mastery Pass credits. So yeah, uh, pretty sweet move by Wizards, I have to admit. Uh, I, this is kind of comes back to the conversation we had probably about 20 episodes ago or so where you know you get people who complain, they're like, ah, why are you pushing this back, whatever. But then if they don't, it's like, why is this crappy and I have to keep downloading all these updates? You know, like <laughs> you can't really win. So I, I pref I'm on the side of like, hey, just take the time you need to do it right so people have a better experience. And ultimately, I think that's going to lead to fewer customer service issues and PR issues or whatever. So, yeah, sucks it's going to get pushed back for people who are really into it. But, hey, you know, these are some cool perks. Get free historic Yeah, and three free drafts, right? I'm with you. I think that's pretty sweet. I don't know if, like, those are things that necessarily appeal to me, but I think it's cool that you know, they're just basically giving some stuff away to keep you happy and encouraged while they're getting the other product rolled out. 
And then like a month after that, we'll be talking about playing with uh, whatever it is, the next Innistrad set, Crimson Vow or whatever. So that's pretty cool. Werewolves, oh, no. Yeah. Mid- Midnight Hunt, because it's the one with the werewolves. That's the first one. Crimson Vow is the second one. But yeah, just really want to just bring that up, point that out for people who didn't know. But that brings us to our dinner table segment. And we're already running a little bit long here, but I thought this was worth talking about. Uh, We had a situation, and by we, I mean the underrepresented folks on Twitch, where there was another round of harassment that gone around and they hit a couple of the mid to large size content creators, streamers. And then there was kind of a like, Hey, Twitch, here's the stuff we're talking about. So then they started putting up a hashtag of, I believe it was Twitch do better is what they were trying to promote, which, you know, I'm, I'm into it, right? That's a reasonable hashtag that makes sense. And it's a very simple, short message. Like, hey, we need you to do better. Because let's be real. Like, we see a lot of stuff from Twitch, but rarely is it ever like, hey, we're fixing this social thing. And, and okay, and before we get too deep, let me say as well, like, if you are one of these creators, streamers, or even person who frequents one of these streams where you're still using or allowing, like, the Pepe Frog and whatever, like, you're not really helping. Like, if you know something is out there, we'll say for evil purposes, you should probably not be allowing it in your stream or participating in streams where that's allowed. You're not helping. But there is a whole, if you go look at this this hashtag, there is a whole slew of people of color, women, LGBT folks that have just a pile of messages and things that happened to them and they're giving testimonials of what happened in their last couple of streams or whatever. And pretty much if, and we've said this before, because people are now targeting tags, right? When that whole, when they rolled out all those, whatever it was, 150 new tags, were, there are groups specifically picking a tag and then targeting it. Because this past week, it was everybody who had the Twitch do better and their thing got targeted. A large, well, not everybody, but a large, very large chunk of them. Enough that I wanted to do a story about it and I couldn't even share the copied tweets on YouTube because they would just be mostly blanked out. Because Hell, one of them was literally, I believe it was four consecutive people who came into the chat and just posted the N-word in capital letters, like 15 times in each one. Like, that is dumb. And people want to say, well, why don't you just block the word? Why don't, you, like, don't think that a bunch of us don't have a bunch of the things already. Right. That, they figure out ways around everything. Well, yeah, for this one in particular, they used one of the alternate keystrokes for an E so they could actually get the word in. Yep. So, like, how are you going to know? Like, you're going to literally go through and take every single variation of every problematic word with every alternate keystroke and every symbol and every, like, are you really, you want each of us to have to have a, I don't even know what that would be. Probably like a 2000 word thing that we're blocking. And uh, really, 
instead of just saying like, hey, let's make it harder for some of these people to register on the site. Let's say, hey, if we find these IPs, let's just ban them outright. You know, like if you have these communities where any of this stuff comes up, excommunicate the folks. Like, why are we even allowing this to still be a thing? And literally, to be fair, like some of these people are doing absolutely nothing on their streams other than just talking to their community and playing a game. And they're big streamers, too. They're not just going after like little people. They're going after everybody. Like Omega Jones got hit. And he's a pretty big one. You know, like they're going after folks, man. Imagine having nothing better to do with your time than just be a troll. Just just make people's experience on Twitch miserable. Just how sad must your life be? Oh, not just that. Like you have to be so miserable that you're going through extra effort to figure out what words or what variations of each word are and aren't actually banned on somebody's thing so you can get the right weird variant and they're like you know how much time that takes <laughs> like it's not just like i'm mad and i'm gonna post this dumb thing and somebody's saying like you've been like oh that got blocked that got blocked okay let me try this okay nope that got blocked let me try that like and then 30 minutes later you're like ah here we go this works i'm gonna copy paste this 15 times like how off the rails are you like I like I've always said that before, even when I see these like ridiculous murders and stuff, whatever happened, I'm like, how mad would I have to be? Like we talked about that other dude that, that killed those Asian women a few months back, right? He he drove across town 20 minutes. Like, how much anger are you harboring? Like, what headspace do you have to be in to like be like, well, I, you know what? I'm just going to make somebody miserable. I'm going to kill somebody. I'm Hell, I'm trying to find some, even now I'm scrolling through, I'm trying to find something I can even read that aren't just vulgar as hell. But damn, there's a bunch of bad ones. Even, even in just this hashtag. One of them is from a trans person has one just like, basically tell them they should go kill themselves. Not in such nice words. But it's just like, dude, really? Like, this is what we're doing? And then, again, you see people saying like, well, did you ever think that like, if you wanted people to stop trolling, you could just put more restrictions? And it's like, yeah, you don't think people have thought about that? Like, if if you're coming through with the top level suggestion, you have to assume everybody else has thought of that too at this point as a community. Come on now. Like, that's almost just saying you think the person's dumb enough to not think of the most obvious thing. But yeah, it just, it's just sad, man. It really, and this has been going on now for, by the time people listen to this, it'd be like day three of this going on. But yeah, this is one too from Cypher of Tear, who's another big creator. She's got, it's literally, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 28 instances of the N-word posted three different times by different usernames that just popped in the channel. Like, what do you, and this is stuff like, and I'm, and I'm actually going to do a video over the weekend, I'm setting time aside to do another one of my 
uh, mental health and gaming videos. And I, it's just coincidentally, I was already planning to do this, but this, the timing was good to just talk about, like, there are different levels to things people are even dealing with making content. Like, and this type of stuff, when you talk about, like, why aren't there more prominent people of color, trans people, whatever, like doing content? One, it's just you have to be mentally ready to go to battle for this every time you log on. Like, that's just the way it is. Shouldn't be, but it is. And then every bit of time you're dedicating to dealing with this, and it's not even just when it happens in real time. You have follow-up, right? Because you're either contacting the companies or, you know, you're having discussions with your moderators on how to handle stuff for it. So you sometimes an incident happens and you lose an hour and a half, two hours. But that's time somebody else doesn't have to deal with and they're actually making content or hell, even just relaxing to recharge during that time. So it's a big deal. And I just don't think people realize that. But yeah, there's just so, so much stuff. And it, it's just sad to see, man. Because a lot of these people are really nice people. Yeah. Like, I would get it if... I'm trying to think of like a celebrity that's that's edgy, but like, I don't know. Let's I'm just using it as a name, but like, let's say Chris Rock was streaming and he'd just done some sets about some racial stuff or whatever. And you went in and you attack Chris Rock. OK, still shouldn't do it, but at least see where there's motivation. But like when somebody's just literally hanging out, having a good time, doing some giveaways, being friendly with their people, trying to educate people on a thing, and then you just show up and drop. 28 instances of the n-word like really what did you, you just the darkness in their yeah. soul is... i'm like really like you're gonna just stroll in to somebody minding their own damn business with their like 100 people on their stream and just tell them yeah you're you trans etc you you should kill yourself right now also, just in addition, you know, to let and Twitch know so they can, this is somebody that probably should be on a watch list. Cause like you just referred yes. to somebody that harbors this level of anger toward a community. I mean, this is a, this is a potential violent person because nobody normal, you know, we got jobs and kids. We ain't got time to try to figure out how to beat Twitch's algorithm so we can put racial slurs into it. No doubt. Hell, there's somebody this on here somebody even saying. That is unhinged. There's somebody saying they were hosting a birthday stream and then somebody rolled in with bots just filling up their channel with the N-word. On their damn birthday. Like, seriously? Like, come on. So there and these, and that's what I'm saying. Like, these aren't just random. Like, people are targeting these things. Some of them are even using the hashtags in their comments or in their bot stuff or whatever. So, you know, they're targeting certain things. So this is this isn't just a random person. Like, oh, I hate these people and I'm going to go post a thing like somebody is going out of their way to pick different elements and aspects for certain people and then going after them. And it's not one. It's it's groups of people and it's coordinated because they all like this most recent one happened close to the same time over a period of like an hour or two. A bunch of people started reporting similar stuff likely not coming from the same source with the number of people that were hit so it's just like man come on like 
we're past this. We should be past this. We're obviously not. But, you know, Twitch said, hey, you should hold this accountable and whatever. Okay, cool. Everybody is. But at this point, nobody cares when you're like, oh, hey, we're going to give you this thing and it lets you delete old videos or whatever. Like, great. Nobody gave a damn about that. Like, and honestly, that's only there because of another problem you created. So whatever. But like, come on. Like, there are better things. Like, there should be punishments for that type of stuff. Hell, here's somebody else saying they have a predator that's been advertising to trying to advertise the people on their channel and they have infinite things in there. Right. So that's in there. Like this, this Twitch do better. It's just like, it's a deep, deep hashtag if you want to go through it. But yeah, it's just, and hell we've done, I swear. I feel like we reached a point where basically every third show we have something to say about like, and this thing happened on Twitter or me on Twitch. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, this, this Twitch hashtag caused this problem this week or whatever. Or Twitch did a some type of stream or advertising or announcement that just went sideways. You know, like it's like, come on, man. And there's literally no reason. No reason at all. So I guess I bring this up to say, like, look, if y'all are participating in any of these communities, even if it seems passive. Even if somebody is saying like, well, it's not meant that way or people in my community don't use it this way or they don't say or do this thing or it's not really us, it's them or whatever. Quit supporting those communities. Because that's only contributing to the problem. Like, yeah, it may seem passive and not like it matters, but we all know who supports and uses the PayPay frog, right? This isn't a secret at this point. We need to just not use it. Just get rid of it. Hell, I don't even like when somebody even tried to use it as a comment or a meme or whatever on on my Twitter feed. I literally just delete it. I'm like, what the hell? That's led to more blocks probably than anything else. Like if you and I keep saying this and we it's something we pushed on the show. But if you're going to say you support a thing. Then support it. Because, and I was telling somebody this on stream that I said, don't think that we don't pay attention. We all have people in our social circles that we see when Black History Month comes around or there's an, a, a Black Lives Matter thing. All of a sudden you're posting it, changing your Twitter name, you're sharing things on Facebook, whatever. And then when the moment passes or there's a decision to be made, you're not really acting on those words. Same way that when it's, you know, gay pride month, all these people are like, yeah, let me put the rainbow flag on my stuff. Let me do all this stuff, whatever. And then like a thing comes up in the month of June, July, you know, and all of a sudden, oh, it's July. Nobody's caring. Nobody's saying anything. Nobody's supporting this person who's having this issue. Those people are paying attention. Trust me. They are. I know a few. You don't even have to try hard. (laughs) Social media logs all that for you. If you're ever curious, you can scroll back and look at it. I would rather somebody just not say anything. than say, yeah, I'm a supporter, whatever. And then not support a thing when it's very easy. So, yeah, just 
know that it's still out there. And maybe it'll be a thing we just keep bringing up because it's a thing that keeps happening. But I don't It'd want be people nice to have a week, you know, where we don't, where there's not some Twitch hashtag that's gotten people all of this. True. But I also don't want to have people ever thinking that it's just gone away if it hasn't. You know, like, let's keep it real and just like, hey, here's what's going on. Because I know it doesn't come across some people's feeds because they're not in the same social groups. They don't get the same algorithmic stuff pushed to them. So that's kind of one of the things our show does is put the awareness right in front of people. So you you have an easier time seeing it. And find it. Honestly, I would share it with other people who say like, oh, it's not a thing. It's not that bad. Go like, really? Here's a whole freaking hashtag where people have been posting for three days of infinite issues. So you can't say it's not happening. And not only that, a bunch of people have receipts, y'all. They've got screenshots. They've got video footage from their streams. Like, so you can't even be like, ah, oh, they're just making it up because they're they're sensationalizing it or they're just trying to be a center of attention. Like, no, people have foot. Hell, I have footage where it's even happened to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, there's no reason to lie about it. Like, if somebody says, oh, this happened on stream, you know what you can do? You can go back and look at their streams from the last four days. So lying about it doesn't do any damn good. So yeah, support or don't, you know, but just know that this is going on. If you're curious, go check it out. It is the hashtag Twitch do better. Uh, There's, uh, I will say though, if you have trauma issues or whatever, I wouldn't necessarily look at the thread. There's some stuff that is very personal and people being attacked. So it's not going to be something I recommend everybody go read. But if you have a stomach for it, go for it. Brian, why don't you tell everybody they can find you? I am DL Caesar on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. And you can find me in most places at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. Usually streaming on Facebook and Twitch a few times a week. Or you can find me on YouTube every single day. But... As always, we just got to say, wherever you are listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, whatever is appropriate for you. Please take care of yourself and stay safe out there as this thing is going to probably still get a little bit worse in some spots before it gets better. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us at our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base.